0: Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's life cycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Beyond 3D. My name is Angela Simoes, and I am here with Dave Opsal, who is Vice President of Corporate Development for TechSoft 3D. Hi, Dave. How are you? Welcome again.
1: Hi, Angela. Doing great. Glad to be with you, as always.
0: And today's guest is Guy Moats, who is a director with CA Design Services out of the UK. Welcome, Guy. How are you?
2: Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you.
0: Good. We're really excited about this episode because it's a topic we've never talked about before. uh, And I think something that maybe people don't always think about when they think about 3D or manufacturing or things like that. And so that is the retail space. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself as well as CA Design Services, and then we can go from there.
2: Okay, Angela. Well, no pressure then if it's a (laughs) first-time topic for you. My company, CA Design Services, has been established for Uh, I run about 35 years, and we're very much involved in the planning of shops and stores, using CAD, using 3D. So we've got teams of people who go out and survey stores, we plan the stores for the retailers, and we've got a software platform that actually helps them plan the stores too. For me personally, I've worked here for 23 years, so quite a long time. Originally joining the company as an AutoCAD trainer, and uh, Mm. my role with the company today is very much... I'm responsible for the direction of our software platforms, our store space and store view software, and I'm still very much hand, hands-on with some key account management. Excellent. So this is something that I think everybody can relate
0: to, right? Because we all walk into to some sort of store almost on a daily basis, right? Whether it's the grocery store or a clothing store or a CVS, something, right? We're, we're all walking into stores. So how... Has retail changed over the past few years since you've been
2: in the space for so long? It's a it's really an interesting point. And uh, as I talk about retail, everybody has an opinion because everybody mm-hmm. shops, of course. So right. the, the question about what's changed is, is huge, really. I mean, retail is going through some quite fundamental shifts at the moment in, in terms of the traditional sort of bricks and mortar retail. Retailers are finding themselves with too much space on their hands, with needing smaller stores, uh, obviously competing with the internet and trying to draw footfall into their stores. Uh, And those pressures are different in different market segments. So uh, FMCG, which is basically food retailing, the fast-moving consumer goods sector, is seeing different changes and different pressures to other sectors like DIY or pharmacy or fashion. But all in all, it's still a very exciting environment to operate in it's certainly, the, the demise of the, the the high street shop has certainly been sort of overstated and, and, and there's still some real success stories going on.
0: You mentioned briefly that your technology is about planning the store layout, right? So when you walk in the store, your software is going to say, this this fixture should be here and these products should be on that fixture and towards the
2: back of the stores where that should be. Correct, yeah. The, the terms that are tr- typically used in the industry are, are micro and macro space. So okay. micro space is effectively the products which are on the shelves. If you were standing square onto a, a, a fixture and, and look, looking at the front elevation of that fixture, as it were, that's the micro space. And then the top down view of the store the store plan itself is called Macro Space, and that's where our product and my company sits in terms of helping customers, helping clients with their macro floor plans, which links strongly into floor plans and 3D mm-hmm. and AutoCAD and, and, and uh, those sorts of platforms.
0: Yeah, so so I have a few questions, sort of all tied into one, which is so that's technology be used, being used in that capacity. But where else is technology being used throughout the retail? process and where is it having the biggest impact is it is it really there on the floor or is it I guess in a, in a bigger
2: you know earlier on yeah yeah there, okay I mean technology is huge in the retail sector and I, I think a lot of retailers are very early adopters of retail uh, of, of big data or, of mm-hmm. um, cloud-based platforms and handheld technology obviously We've all seen the the pinging of barcodes in stores has been around for many, many years and and the linking of that to databases. And and retail is usually a very early adopter of technology, not just on the shop floor, but in the construction processes as well, where they're perhaps not constrained by government funding or anything like that. And if there's a clear return on investment for for technology, retailers will generally jump in and uh, make a success of it. That the data involved typically is obviously multi-level in in terms of there's the construction process of actually building and maintaining a store. So so Mm -hmm. facilities management software and platforms involved in the property process and procurement and construction all the way through to big data, the information coming out of the sales information to the store, Mm -hmm. which is typically aggregated and moved into what's termed as a data lake all the way down to the products which I mentioned in terms of the shop shop floor, the the, the point at which the, the product which all the research and effort has gone into manufacturing and buying and putting on the shelf and ensuring that product meets the client in a very logical way in terms of customer journey around the store and in a sensible place in the store.
0: Right. So when you were talking about this, I can't help but think of artificial intelligence and if that plays a role in any way
2: um yeah yeah it definitely does and we we're, we're seeing more of artificial intelligence and machine learning playing a role in, in choosing the products which are being put onto the shelves. Mm-hmm. So where it really comes into play, and this, this really isn't my personal area of expertise, but it comes in with companies such as Nielsen who who have these big data lakes where they've got aggregated shared data anonymized from, from lots of different retailers and they're working with their retailers on their decisions around range and assortment to ensure the best possible use is being made of space and the right products are meeting the customer. Good examples would be um, where AI and machine learning comes in is the understanding the cannibalization of product sales where one product is introduced alongside another, be it Mm -hmm. an own brand product or perhaps a product from a competitor or even a different size product of the same product if you're with me, different sizes of maybe table sauces or ketchup or something like that. And that there's very complex algorithms and mathematics, but running behind the scenes, looking at existing data and the effect of introducing those products, and whether it's actually going to increase sales or just alter what is being purchased in in terms of the product mix without any increase in sales at all.
0: And as part of that data lake, I, I imagine some of those predictions have to take into account geographical location and behaviors of, you know, uh, the demographics of wherever the store is. So how, how does the technology account for that?
2: again that the retailers are very advanced in in these ways particularly in 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 the in the context of food retailing in particular so so for instance you mentioned geographic clustering that's obviously a very obvious example but they they cluster in lots of different ways so um obviously the affluence of local population and these these sorts of things are typically done in gis software rather than um, in, in a CAD package or, mm-hmm. or other, other systems. I think there's a system called Mosaic, which helps. So th- this clustering happens at lots of different levels in, in terms of the, the distance to the nearest competitor store. A lot of people will just drive to their nearest store and won't drive past a store to reach another store, unless mm-hmm. there's a compelling reason to do so. Mm-hmm. So the, the clustering is definitely multi-layered. Uh, and again, the retailers have an excellent understanding, generally, of, of what that looks like.
0: You know, it's interesting, you're, as you're talking You're starting to mention so many different technologies and areas of industry that, uh, at least in my experience, there's not a whole lot of industries that have such overlap. You know, you mentioned GIS technology, and then you've got CAD, but then you have to have demographic data. And I mean, there's so many things happening here. Um, and, and, And Dave, I wonder if you have any thoughts on this, because you... You work with lots of different industries or companies in different industries. What's your take on 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 that and um, just the the great overlap because uh, I mean when we talk, talk about the data lake, I'm thinking this is probably one of the biggest lakes <laughs> that uh, we've we've um, really encountered or talked about at, or maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I just was curious on your thoughts around that
1: no, I think. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. And uh, I hadn't considered it before, but you're right. You know, the data sources for what it is that CA Design Services is doing uh, is much more than what I would normally expect to see in a manufacturing company. I think the closest thing that comes to it is uh, is what's happening in the Internet of Things. You know, it's the amount and right. the volume data. You know that uh, is probably similar. You know, when you start having all of these manufactured products, you know, sending information over the internet, the the volume of data is going to go up, but the dispersion of sources, the different places. You know, I'm I'm sitting there as I was listening uh, to guy talk, thinking about yeah, there's there's a demographic database, there's you know an Esri or a GIS database, there's. The database, the architectural plans for the store. I mean, it's just, it's endless. It, it's, it, it actually dwarfs what I would expect to see in a manufacturing company.
2: And there's a hu- huge amount of consumer research comes into play as well. So for instance, there may be an increase at the moment in, in craft beers. And so understanding mm-hmm. whether the local demographics of a store have got the kind of people locally who would be seeking to go into a store and buy craft beers. And so two stores that are identically sized would, would have perhaps different range and assortment in depending on that local population. And there is a big move at the moment into what's called store-specific planogramming, whereas instead of just having the same range in every store, mm-hmm. um, that it's been heavily tailored to the local population. A store at the end of the day is a map. It's a map. And on the technology front, a lot of the retailers are looking at in-store navigation and putting beacons in now and Mm. being able to download an app so that you can actually be guided to the right product, that potentially you could have augmented reality running on your phone with, with special offers flashing up as you walk down an aisle, actually highlighting and pointing to a product on a shelf, which it knows that you would be likely to buy based upon your previous buying Habits and patterns all these things are coming on on stream uh, and will certainly, in the next few years, be on everybody's mobile phone.
1: Guy, there's another question that came to mind uh, as I was listening, which was, I think most people have an understanding that there's some amount of analysis that goes into where do you put a product on a shelf. But what I'm not sure most people understand is the relationship between where things are the the fixtures in the store for certain things and you you mentioned something interesting when we were talking the other day about can you can you share with our audience the banana example yeah yeah sure <laughs> Well, I, I mean,
2: I, I thought of another example after we talked as well uh, around about how important the site is as well. Because, again, if there's on-site parking for a for a mega store of some description, the retailers generally understand the importance, or even if it's in a shopping mall, the importance of actually parking your car uh, and a high percentage of your satisfaction with a shopping trip is actually was my car safe and was my my walk from my car to the shop actually mm-hmm. enjoyable and safe and, and the facilities? So the retailers at, at the very starting point of a customer journey understand that very well as well. So I, nobody ever parks next door to the places where the trolleys are pushed into for fear of having their cars banged uh, by somebody with a trolley or something like that. So the example I gave you on the bananas were, were, were the, the clash between the store planning process, the layout process, that macro space. Um, planning, which I, I touched on right at the start, uh, and the replenishment. So, so bananas, I gave as an example, as, as being one of the most replenished categories in a store. And if the doors through to the back of house warehouse are put in the wrong place as the, as the store is designed by the architect, it actually means the recruitment of an additional member of staff if that banana store in the back of house um, is a long distance away from where the bananas are being sold from um one of the things our software does for one of our clients is actually calculates the distance between the back of house freezers and the freezers on the sales floor they know they've got maybe a 15 minute window of opportunity from the moment that cage is pulled out from the back of store to when the products have to be reinserted on the sales floor into a freezer so Mm -hmm. so that that distance is crucial as well and our software will actually report on that for for one of our clients that's a crew. Uh, a critical metric to to ensure that ice cream hasn't defrosted and been refrozen and you're giving somebody food poisoning. So all these things have a distance that can be pulled back to a drawing, can be pulled back to a CAD, CAD file, and could be potentially reported on from a website at some point.
1: Considering the the people that are involved in the workflow for any store chain guy, how how critical is it that the experience that your software gives them is tailored specifically to their needs? I mean, these are not people that typically understand CAD very well, are they?
2: No. So so we, we have a, a version of our, our software called StoreSpace Planner, which is an OEM AutoCAD version. And, and basically, the, the complexity of AutoCAD and the ribbons and, and all of that is actually hidden from the user. And there's quite a simple toolbar and set of tools used to drag and drop planograms um, from a database directly onto the AutoCAD fixtures on the store. So other than understanding the concept of uh, a paper space and how to create a block and to zoom in and out with your wheel, that's really all the AutoCAD functionality you need to be able to use our software and, and use it in a store planning environment. Yeah, because
0: I imagine, you know, going back to the knowing the the nuances of a local store right someone on the floor that day i'm thinking of like uh, if it rains and they decide oh we need to put the umbrellas at the front of the house right yeah. because it's raining how do you account for that kind of change that happens on the fly that way because according to the store plan the umbrellas were either halfway through or at the back of the house but you know oh it's raining we got to move it to the front is the person on the the floor able to implement that kind of a change to to make sure that that data is being fed because like, oh, wow, we had a big uplift in umbrella sales today. I wonder why that was. Well, it's because they were moved, right? How do you capture yeah. that kind of data?
2: Um, that, that kind of data is attached to the fixtures on a, on a, on a store plan. So just as just long as the umbrella stand has been specified as a piece of fixture for that store, obviously, if it's on wheels or, or, or suitable as an item to be moved, it could be moved to the front of the store. Probably a better example is perhaps um, retailers looking at the weather forecast. So Mm -hmm. even even though they don't change the share of space, perhaps, within within the fixtures, if it's going to be a sunny weather and they know they're going to be selling a lot of burgers and sausages and barbecue kind of stuff, what they do is they ensure there's a lot of stock at the back of house so that those shelves can be uh, uh, replenished very quickly because they know they're going to be rushed off their feet with barbecuing if the weather forecast is good. And the weather forecast can have a dramatic impact on the takings of a store, and the ability and need to restock those shelves quite quickly. So, the software and the algorithms which run run on the store from a from a, a micro space perspective is doing some really clever things in terms of understanding the replenishment cycle when the next truck is due in store to ensure the right number of facings of the products are on the shelf based upon average sales rates and ensure there's no out of stocks happening it's a real science behind it i, I you can probably tell I, I, I find it fascinating it's a very exciting environment to work in
0: no it is and I, with every new data set that you mention i'm just it makes me go oh my god yeah that's right because you talked about the safety aspect right so there's got to be a database of crime statistics in a particular area right yeah and how do you take that into account when designing like you said from the architect perspective but then also is there lighting what are the store hours all yeah. that kind of thing so yet there's I, another data set it's, so <laughs> amazing.
2: it's just it's I, I, can, I can give you a really good example a really good example for that Angela we've've we've, we've worked with a, a client here in the UK who, who are an electrical, Uh, hardware goods store and in certain stores they will not put memory cards out on on display Mm -hmm. that you have to ask for them and they're pulled from uh, a hook from behind the counter and in other parts of the country again more affluent less likely to have um, theft they're actually out on display and in blister packs on hooks Mm they 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 change where they are in store and they change the access accessibility to those products based upon local demographics they probably wouldn't admit to it but they do
1: so guy would that would that imply that there's yet another database of crime statistics and data such as that that's being looked at when some of the decisions are being made by the software?
2: Uh, absolutely. That that's just another cluster cluster type, Dave, in terms of understanding and overlaying that information within that GIS data set and, and ensuring that the store is recorded as being in a certain type of area in a certain geographic area with a local demographic of X and, and, and so on. And, and, and here in the UK, and I know it's the same in the US, for instance, there's like different licensing laws in different, different parts of the country in terms of alcohol availability mm-hmm. being sold. So, so, again, that would change the layout. That would change the, the, the opening hours even. In certain part of the UK, there's, there's uh, gates on the end of the alcohol aisle and under 18s aren't allowed in that aisle within the store.
0: Interesting. It it also makes me think of um, a grocery store in my parents' hometown in uh, Northern California, where they were having such a high rate of theft. You know, people literally walking into the grocery store, grabbing things off the shelf and walking out. They've reconstructed the entrances to the stores. And I'm, and now I'm wondering, was that driven by data from a a system like yours or was that just you know, the managers of the store getting together with an architect and saying, how are we going to fix this problem?
2: It, it, isn't it fascinating though, because obviously it's on YouTube and you can take a look at it. Amazon have obviously got their new Amazon Go brand, uh, which haven't got any checkouts at all in. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a fascinating technology and um, how, how you're able to walk into a store. I think it's incredibly exciting and, and just pop things into straight into your shopping bag and, and then walk straight out again and, and have it booked book to your Amazon account i mean that there is the future right there that that's 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 so exciting it's obviously clearly very open to to people trying to hide things from the cameras or, or trying to to steal things perhaps i, I don't know i, I think mm-hmm. it's a incre- incredible technology they've got running and very exciting as to how that's going going to develop and a, a great example as i say said at the outset of, of retailers being very early adopters of technology uh, and trying these things out. And then these, th- these technologies then typically feed into other industries.
1: In the example you just gave, Guy, as you, were, as you were describing it, I'm thinking that does sound really, really interesting, the Amazon Go thing. But wouldn't that also suggest that if, if I'm able to walk into a store, open up my bag, pull things from the shelf drop them in the bag, and turn around and walk out of the store, it had to know that I walked into the store to begin with?
2: Yeah, then there must be some kind of check-in so that it knows that it's you, and then from that point, it's tracking you personally around the store. Mm-hmm. and understanding and, and filming you from different angles perhaps filming is the wrong word tracking probably would be right. more accurate from different angles and if you watch the video on youtube which is fascinating somebody takes a product off the shelf you can effectively see it go onto their shopping checkout list and then they change their mind and they put that cake back on the shelf and then it subtracts itself from the shopping list mm-hmm. so it understands that you've actually taken something off and pops it back so it must have actually recognized the product as well uh, yeah. and understood that so that's um again a, a great technology uh, and uh, i'm sure everybody's watching on with interest at all the other retailers
0: right and i imagine too they're actually tracking the patterns like where people walk. Did they walk into the store and go to the right or do they go to the left? And which aisles do they go down? You know, are there certain aisles? That are heavily trafficked. Are there some that
2: aren't trafficked much at all? Is that because yeah. of the
0: products on the shelves? Is it because of the location? All those sorts of things, right? They,
2: so, they are the, the 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 technology behind that is actually uh, a, a mixture. That it there's there's just been a, a sort of laser beam that someone breaks as they walk through it in just in terms of counting. But that doesn't give you the ability to check or count or, or, or see which way somebody was walking through that. That's mm-hmm. the simplest form of, of counting people. The more complex way is to use use passive infrared detectors or or even cameras mounted into the ceiling of a store to track people. And, and what the retailers are typically interested in is as much what you don't buy as what you buy. So yeah. we've looked at the technology before. Somebody walks up to a perfume counter, perhaps in, in, in a shop, and, and maybe the dwell time is measured in terms of them standing there for 30 seconds or 40 seconds, and then they turn away and don't buy anything. So the big question for the retailer is why didn't they buy something? They were clearly interested because Mm -hmm. they stood there for 40 seconds. Maybe there's a staffing issue in terms of they didn't actually get served um, because the shop assistant was already busy talking to somebody else, in which case Mm -hmm. that highlights a typical problem. Or maybe there's an opportunity to improve the signage or they didn't actually see what they wanted. So The technology raises a lot of questions for the retailer, and it isn't a simple binary response as in they didn't want the product. There could be lots of other factors affecting that, including the environment they're in and and, uh, the staffing dimension to the problem too.
0: I want to go back to something that you've mentioned a couple of times now, and that's the fact that the retail industry has been early adopters of technology. and i want to know from your perspective why why that is because it's something that we have talked about with manufacturing or aec and how some industries are slower to adopt than others and what is it about the retail industry that has made them such early adopters is it that they see um, the benefits right away is it because they're getting this data about their their customers and so they can make in you know decisions more quickly about things how what do you think has driven
2: that early adoption? I, I, I think it's because they're profit-driven. Uh, I, I think pure and simply, if if you can put a, a return on investment case in front of a retailer that says, if you do this, you will make more money um, or provide a better service or, or experience for your customers, which of course will result in, in more profit, then they will always put their hands in their pockets and, and find the money to do it. And I don't think that's necessarily the case in every industry. Gotcha. So 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 that's one of the reasons I, I think we we can we can get very quick instructions on things sometimes in terms of in terms of we can go from a phone call to an order very quickly in terms of data capture, in terms of projects and planning. Uh, and, and big decisions being taken very quickly. I, I certainly would say that's unusual and, and quite unique to retail. Sometimes things have to be planned and budgeted for in other marketplaces, and and take maybe years to come to fruition. But retail is much more nimble. Retail tends to move much more quickly and and be happy to, you know, t- take slightly higher risks. I would say.
0: No, that makes it makes a ton of sense because you know, and in other industries, uh, the sales cycles are much longer. You know, it can take years to complete a structure or a machine or or you know something like that. So it it does make a lot more sense that the
2: yeah. But the faster- but Dave Angela, don't let me don't let me paint a picture that's too rosy because I can also go into a retailer. I can get a phone call to say, could you come in and help us? And I look at their processes and and I say, where are all your store plans? Oh, we haven't got any. How do you oh, currently <laughs> how, how do you how do you currently plan your stores oh we use Excel and PowerPoint you know so, so that there are some really really big retailers out there who haven't got these things in place uh, and and who who need to do the investment uh, and uh, who don't realize that that the equity and the value that they've got in store plans uh, and and making a difference using these sort of software tools. And, and it's very much a cultural thing between retailers as well, I think, because sometimes we'll come across a retailer who have actively fostered and encouraged a, a, an atmosphere of entrepreneurialism um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: within their store managers to, to give them the latitude and, and to say, move those umbrellas to the front of the store and, you know, make some local decisions on things. Whereas other retailers are much more rigid to say, our headquarters knows best. You must follow this to the letter mm-hmm. and, and and not have that level of localism, as it were. So that can vary enormously from retailer to retailer. The problem with the former one, which is where you've encouraged the, 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 the store manager to, to be more entrepreneurial, is you'll get ones that will do it very well and perhaps even outperform the head office headquarters model. <laughs> but then you'll get some who will be very bad at it. And right. there'll be a whole, you know, pallet of expensive goods, clothes or whatever it may be sitting in the back of store that they couldn't fit out on the sales floor because they've decided to focus on something else. Mm-hmm. And then those, those, those heavy expensive winter coats suddenly remain unsold come the summer and there needs to be a fire, fire sale to get rid of them.
0: Right.
2: So, so, uh, yeah, it, it is it's, as I say that there's um, good good and bad examples all the way through. Although I'm obviously not mentioning any names.
0: For sure. Well, there's, <laughs> I don't think there's ever a hundred percent adoption in in any industry, right? So there's always uh, room room to grow.
2: Um, yeah. And- From a floor planning perspective, when I go in to see somebody and I say, "How do you how do you order all of the shop fit equipment for your store?" and as soon as I see them with a hard copy plan and a highlighter pen. I know I've got a great opportunity <laughs> because that still goes on. People counting things and manually entering them into Excel or trusting suppliers to do the same thing and just linking that 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 floor plan, that CAD data to a database and being able to report. And more importantly, retailers are great at changing their minds um, quite a lot. Going through that iteration of revisions on, on drawings where it has to be done again and again and again, uh, not to use software and automated processes for that is crazy. So in effect, we were doing um, what is now termed as BIM. We were doing that from a from a takeoff perspective years ago, just using AutoCAD and, and, and our software, uh, and uh, just didn't call it anything. But again, early adopters uh, mm. using technology to, to to call off drawings and prepack containers from china which have exactly the right number of components to fit out that store to Mm -hmm. avoid that waste going into store and then being pulled away or even thrown into a into the the skip store um because it's low value and, and just simply not worth taking away brand new equipment that was ordered in surplus you know we've seen all of those things down the years which is a real shame
0: This is truly fascinating. And so we are, we are at our time, but, uh, I do want to ask one last question because you did hint at it at the beginning of the conversation in terms of where retail is going and, you know, there's going to be augmented reality, uh, on our phones as we shop. And I immediately thought, Oh, I'll be able to virtually try on clothes (laughs) without actually getting undressed. So that'll be handy. (laughs) Um, So where do you think retail will be in the next five to 10 years? And, you know, some people say there won't even be retail shops, but I, I, I think that's more along the lines of.
2: The, 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 what you were the, talking about yeah the, the shopping experience is going to change so where, where stores are too big we're seeing smaller franchise lo- local retailers sitting in alongside the the big national retailer and they're giving up some space and renting that out and enjoying mm-hmm. rental income fr- from from a, a subcontractor or, or sorry from a from a sublet we're seeing things like i don't know nail bars and barbers coming into a fashion environment so, so, that people can not just wear their new clothes, they can get their hair cut or have their beard trimmed and walk out of the store feeling a million dollars and just adding services into the retail environment. There's an expectation, you know, I've got a 22 year old daughter, and if she can't flick, and scroll on her iPhone as she walks into a store and check the price of something and and so on, then then she walks out again. So the retailers have to be nimble again and smart about understanding that people are going to do that by providing free Wi-Fi and so on. I think the pace of change has been dramatic in the last five years, certainly, and, and, and will, if anything, slightly accelerate. You mentioned, Angela, about not having to get your clothes off if that doesn't sound too rude um you can do that right now there's magic mirrors available where you can actually drag a piece of clothing from a catalog onto the mirror that you're standing right in front of and you can see yourself wearing that piece of clothing without even putting it on and then you you could even change your hair color and things like that that, yeah absolutely that technology is available right now and i I could not in any
0: store i've been in (laughs) uh,
2: you need to get yourself to london (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> OK,
0: <laughs> no,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll link you up after the podcast and, and okay. send you a, send you a link to the technology. It's very cool. So those kinds of things are really kicking in. And I, I think to be a successful retailer in today's market, you've got to be embracing all of these things and have a, a unique selling point of what you're doing and differentiate yourself from the competition in some way. Be mm-hmm. it through range, assortment, experience, having great stores, great design. Uh, And, and having something in your shops that you can't get online, which is uh, pulls back to people as well.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can I put in a request for either an app or a feature or something, especially for grocery stores that on an app or, you know, your phone that as I'm buying tortillas, it shows me what the price of the same tortillas are at other stores. And I can decide if I want to buy it at that store or save it and add it to the list for, you know, a different store. Well, because it's cheaper. You,
2: you can actually do that. I don't know if it's available in the States, but in, in the UK, there's a website where you can actually enter your entire shopping list and it mm-hmm. actually tells you which supermarket will be the cheapest to buy it at. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so you have to send me that link after this yeah. as
2: well. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that would be,
0: yeah, that would be amazing. But uh, where retail is going and some of the things that you've talked about, is truly fascinating. And I think anybody who's listened to this podcast, if they weren't aware of everything that went into the, the planning of a, a, a retail space and the products that go in it, uh, never will look at a retail store the same again. At least I know I won't. It's really fascinating. So, uh, I really thank you for your time guy. I really hope everybody that listened is, um, was entertained and enlightened by by this podcast because I, I know I was. And Dave, thank you for your time as well, as always.
1: Well thank you. This is uh this has been I, I think the most interesting podcast we've done. And I want to just say thanks guy for sharing your knowledge. It's been um,
2: That's okay. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm I'm always very happy to talk about retail. I'm very passionate <laughs> about it as you could probably hear.
0: No very No, that's uh It's great. And I I think people usually think retail, you know, the person behind the counter. So there's just so much more that goes into it. So, um, but thank you again. And thank you everybody out there who spent, uh, you know, half an hour or so with us uh, listening to our conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do so. And share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and anyone else you think would be interested in the topics that we've been talking about that all usually circle around 3D technology. So with that, uh, thanks everybody and have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast hosted by TechSoft 3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft 3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D.